Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. This week, we will be airing our Good Friday and Easter messages, and we pray that you will be blessed as we have been in this special season. Here's Pastor Ryan. It's uh, our first time celebrating the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm just so blessed to be with you here tonight in our new church. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 26. We'll be beginning in verse 47 this evening. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy upon our lives. Lord, how wonderful is your love towards us, Lord, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Lord. We're so grateful this evening, Father. Words can express how grateful we are towards you. Lord, it's a special day. We are so blessed. And Lord, it is our prayer that many more people would come to the saving knowledge of your Son, so as we study your word, there may be someone listening on the air or watching online or here tonight who may not know you. And we pray that the message of your cross would touch their heart. Father, I can do nothing without you. None of us can. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that only you can do. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Bless your word. Give us humble ears to hear. Empower us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. So, with the story of the crucifixion, where should we begin? It's always a challenge for me every year. Should we begin at the religious trial before the Sanhedrin? Should we begin at the Passover meal? Should we begin at the arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane? It's always a challenge. But God is good. And I, my prayer was, Lord, help me to condense your, your message because there's so much awesome stuff going on around the crucifixion of our Lord that it's, it's challenging but not impossible through God. And so, as you know, this day commemorates the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we know that he was crucified not for his own sins, but for the sins of the world. Everyone in the world, you and I included, has sinned. And the penalty for that sin is eternal damnation and separation from God. Our message to the world is that your salvation is a very serious thing. In fact, there is nothing more important to this world than salvation through Jesus Christ and the message of the cross. Nothing can be more important, but the world out there does not know it. And so our prayer is that the gospel message will go forth to them and that God would use us to do that. It is a good day because Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, a price that we could not pay ourselves. He gave his life so that we wouldn't have to face the wrath of God, the judgment of God. It is a good day. We don't have to face the wrath of God. It is a good day because Jesus took our penalty for us on the cross. 
Isaiah prophesied about that day. In Isaiah 53, verse 5 through 6, you know it really well, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. Isaiah prophesied, we all have gone our own way, the way of sin. But Jesus Christ, it was laid upon him, the inequity of us all upon him. Beautiful prophecy. In Romans, Paul would write about it as well in Romans 5 extensively throughout the scriptures. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 9. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We should be saved from the wrath through him. What a beautiful promise. There is no, for a believer, there is no going before the, a holy God and being judged for our sins. He took care of that for us. For us, it's only a reward ceremony. It's the Bema Seat of Christ. It's much different where we're rewarded for the things that we did here on earth, either for his glory or sadly in some cases for our own glory, which will be burnt off, yet we will be saved. But for the non-believer, the wrath of God is waiting for them. And knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Nothing can be more important. It's the reality. Everyone has a court date. They just don't know it. Everyone has a court date to see the judge, our Lord. And they can either deal with that court case by believing in Jesus Christ and having their sins forgiven, or their sins are going to stay upon them. And they're going to go to Hades the moment they die. And then from Hades, they're going to be called up at the day of the judgment in which they will be judged for every sin that they've ever committed, every thought. And then after that, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And that, the Bible refers to as the second death. Not that they die a second time, but they live for eternity in the lake of fire, feeling torment for eternity. Scary stuff. So scary that our Lord, it was very serious about his message, was he not? From the beginning, he didn't fluff it up, try to soften the blow. He basically told people in, in Nazareth, in Galilee, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Can you imagine saying that today? Repent. How many churches on TV are saying that? As we know, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And we know that he, Jesus, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is our Passover. He's that, that symbolic lamb that was slain in Egypt to free the Israelites as, as God's ten plagues hit the Egyptians, the tenth one being the killing of the firstborn male of all of Egypt. And the Hebrews were to 
sacrifice a lamb without blemish take some of its blood put it on the two doorposts and the lentils of the house which actually forms a cross and when God saw the blood the blood was a sign and the plague would not hit that house and so that's a shadow of Jesus Christ his blood as we have faith in him God sees the righteousness of his son upon those who would believe in him put their trust in him the blood is still a sign today and so he celebrates the Passover with his disciples. And he, he tells them that one of them would betray them, them, him. And they all became very sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful, and began to ask him, is it I? And he went down the line. Jesus said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. And you know the story in this very chapter, earlier verses. He said, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. And that's when Satan entered Judas, and Judas went off to call the troops to arrest the Lord. It's the hour of darkness, Jesus called it. I can't overemphasize what's happening in the story of the crucifixion of our Lord as far as behind the scenes spiritually. He called it the hour of darkness. He said that he would be handed over to sinners. He predicted to his disciples various times that he would be crucified and on the third day rise again. What he is going to accomplish for mankind in removing our sin is the most terrifying, the most excruciating, painful event in human history. Many men have been betrayed. Many men have been tortured and crucified who were innocent. But no man ever has taken upon himself the weight of the sins of this world in it, all of its filth and disgustingness, all upon him. And to face outer darkness for the first time in his life, that separation from the Father, because a holy God cannot look upon such filth of this world, and it was placed upon him. And that is what he's about to face. And then one of his guys betrays him. And then after predicting the betrayal, he institutes his supper of communion where he took the bread and broke it and blessed it and told him, this is my body, do this and broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup of the grape juice and did the same thing. This is, represents the blood of, of the new covenant that is for the remission of sins. That no longer is it the works of the law by, by which sins are covered. The new covenant is by faith and grace that his blood is shed for the world. All we have to do is believe in his work on the cross and we shall be saved. And when I say believe, that means to do what he says. Not just believe in him like we believe these. There's a light right there. I believe it. It's about worship. It's about putting our trust in him. And he also told them, he gave them a new commandment that they were to love one another as he had loved them. And it's a good reminder on this Good Friday that if Jesus laid his life down for us, that we ought to lay our lives down for one another. The crucifixion is about his love for us, but it's that reminder that 
His love should create in us a love for other people. If not, then we have to get closer to him this season like never before. And then Jesus predicted that they were going to scatter or they were going to flee in fear. He said that uh, they they would be made to stumble because of him that very night. And Matthew quotes the Old Testament in saying, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee, Jesus said. And Peter said, even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter denied that. Peter said, no, 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 no. Even if I have to die with you, even if I have to go to jail. The others said the same thing. So it wasn't just Peter. It was, it was all of them. And then after that, they sang a, a hymn and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus took him to that garden on the Mount of Olives in which he went frequently to pray, to rest. And it was there that he told the disciples to sit there for a while and pray right over there. And then he took Peter, James, and John a little far, further off. We're told that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Jesus was so sorrowful to the point of death. Can you imagine facing, just a thought of facing what he was about to face? The torture, the ridicule, the crucifixion. The abandonment, the separation from God the Father. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I'll never know to the extent. I don't think anybody will. What he went through, to the point where the gospel writer says he he was exceedingly sorrowful to the point of death. And you know the story. He told Peter, James, and John, stay with me here. They were a little closer to him, about a stone's throw. Stay here with me. Watch with me and pray. And then we're told that he fell on his face when he prayed. Guys, we often see him on his knees like this, but we're told that he actually fell on his face, completely on his face. And he began to pray Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He asked. And we know from the gospel records that he would ask three different times the same thing. Father, if, there's, if, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is asking, Father, if there's any other way by which man can be saved, is there any, if there's any other way that man can be redeemed, if there's any other way that they can be washed of their sins and have a clean conscience, if there's any other way that, 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 that they can get to heaven, if there's any other way that they can be saved, That's what he's asking. Is there any other way but for me to drink this cup of judgment? And he would say, nevertheless, thy will be done. 
He's our hero. That he would go through it, even though it was the most difficult thing in the history of, of mankind. He would go through it anyways. You know, the disciples, they fell asleep. Their eyes were heavy. He said, pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I always wondered how to compute that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think I understand it a little bit more this year. I, I, I do believe faith is like a muscle. And if we don't use it, we, we, we tend to lose it. Muscles, when, you don't, when we don't work them out, they become weak. They begin to deteriorate. And, and so there has to be a discipline if we're going to follow Jesus Christ. In other words, like, I, you know, like we may, we may, we may want to work out, but there's a difference between wanting it and doing it. It's like your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So now I get it. Now I get it. Paul, the apostle, says, you know, I, I, put my, I subject my body lest I be disqualified. I put it under subjection. Like, I, I put it under discipline. And because I know that the life of following Jesus Christ is going to require energy, strength, endurance, long-suffering. And I'm trying. I'm, I know I'm, pre, I'm trying to get it right physically. But I think the spiritual should affect the physical. And Mike McIntosh, Pastor Mike McIntosh, said to us pastors one time, a few of you need to run some miles. It's like, what? Get out of here. What do you mean, run some miles? I'm not that heavy. He said, the things that God is going to have you do with the persecution that's coming on the church, you have to be on cue hmm spirit is willing but the flesh is weak help me Lord to do what I must to get it right so that I can serve you longer and so many people use just tiredness fatigue as excuses not to serve the Lord I don't want the Lord to say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Lord, help us. Help us to, to better serve you. But there is no other way by which man can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Peter would write in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is no other route to heaven not Muhammad not Buddha not spiritualism not being a good person None of that gets a person to heaven. There is only one way. And if, there were, and if you believe that there's other ways, then why did Jesus Christ go to the cross if there were other ways? There is no other way, guys. I know. Some of us would, are going to be X'd out of tea parties and gatherings and 
a little bit of persecution because, my goodness, we believe that he's the only way. I'm fine with that. I don't want to live in this world to please everybody. I want to please my Lord and Savior who died for me. When we want to please everybody around us, that's high school stuff. Some people haven't gotten over high school. I'm sorry. It's Good Friday. <laughs> Narrow is the path that leads to life. While he was still speaking, verse 47, we begin. Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. We look at that like it's the most, one of the most scandalous moves in history. Judas is just a picture of this fallen world. He is what's out there. This world needs Jesus so much. Jesus said to him, you know, you're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss in the other gospel. But here he says, friend, why have you come? As almost to give Judas a way out. Friend, why have you come? That's the heart of our Lord. That's why he came and died for us, because he has a love for the lost. Friend, why have you come? Will you decide to repent? Will you decide life? Friend, why have you come? Maybe he's asking that of some people tonight. Friend, why have you come? Are you going to change? Are you going to repent and put Christ first? Or still worship the self-life? The love of God is so above. Seems like I'm always grasping for it. You know, Lord, help me to love more as you love. I feel more like Peter here. You know what Peter does, right? I've always felt like him. <laughs> I got a sword right here. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of sinners. His enemies called him that because he ate and drank with publicans. Did I say Republicans? Yes, no. Publicans. Publicans and taxpayers. Democrats, too. That they might get saved. But he is a friend of sinners, or we wouldn't be here. We would not be here. In 2 Peter 3, you know that wonderful verse that Peter dots down by the Holy Spirit, God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. Then, they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. We know that's the big fisherman, Peter. And struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Peter was not playing. You don't he, to take off an ear isn't just he's not he's not, you know, playing patty cake. He's not fencing with them. He he's he's trying to hack somebody's ear off or head off actually. The guy just probably moved. He said, I'll, I won't I'll, they all may forsake you but not me. Check this out. And the Lord just turns around, put your sword in its place, 
for all who take the sword will perish by the sword? Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? It's like Peter this isn't a time for self-defense. This is God's plan that he would go to the cross. Don't hinder that. Peter, don't you know that I can just pray to my father and 12 legions of angels can come down? It's such a beautiful statement from the Son of God who created the universe, spoke and it was made. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the power. He is God in the flesh. And he's in control. I can call down a whole legion of angels. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.